Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. This is episode number 137, dedicated to a man who on September 24th, 1988, ran a then-world record in the 100-meter dash of 9.92 seconds, Mr. Carl Lewis. And as always, thank you for listening and downloading to another episode of the podcast. On today's episode, we are joined by Mr. Harrison Fagan, Lakers beat writer for SB Nation, coming on, helping us recap what we watched in Game 3 and what we may see down the road throughout the rest of this series. Yes, in Game 3, the Lakers did something that was unexpected. In Game 4, they are looking to right the ship and turn this thing around and keep moving forward to another NBA Finals appearance. However, in Denver, there's a team called the Nuggets, and they are trying to do what they have done in Round 1 and Round 2. Push this thing as far as they can. Uh, another seven-game series, probably, with the way this series has gone. They'll probably have to do that to win the series. Push it to another seven-game series and say, hey, look, we understand. We may have been down early in this series, but we are not counted out until the blast buzzer sounds and we are completely knocked out of the playoffs. This play, this series has been fun to watch. You have players on both sides fighting and turning heads and making plays that are eye-popping at the same time. Adjustments must be made on both sides, especially the side of the Lakers. Harrison and I discuss just that. We're making a change this week on a Thursday episode of the podcast. It's not bad. Nothing bad at all. Something to actually help you with the picks that I make for games for the weekend. At the beginning of Thursday's episodes from now on, when I have games to pick, I am going to give you the games that I am going to pick up front. Before the interview. So I'm going to give you the games I'm picking for the weekend up front. You can write them down, jot them down, put them in your phone, or, or remember them in your head. At the end of the interview, I'll come back on and give you the teams that I'm picking for each game to win that matchup. So, in college football this weekend, on Friday, I am picking Memphis at UTSA. On Saturday, Kentucky at Auburn, Texas at Texas Tech, Florida State at Miami, and then the University of Florida at Ole Miss. The SEC is back, baby, and I can't wait to watch these guys play. In the NFL, on Thursday, I'm picking the Dolphins at the Jaguars on Sunday, Bears at Falcons, Cowboys at Seahawks, Packers at Saints, and then on Monday night to end this week of football games, the Chiefs at the Ravens. Week number three is going to be fun to watch. The first two weeks have been action-packed. I sure hope we don't have the amount of injuries that we had during week two. I believe the count that I saw, and I I saw this tweet on the on uh, saw this tweet on the Twitter. I almost said on the tweet. I saw this tweet on the Twitter that there were 17 ACL tears during week two of the NFL season. Horrific, horrible, people's seasons have been ended abruptly not just those there have been more players than I just did that, that that didn't have ACL tears that had the te- their season ended as well hate to see it don't like it sure hope week three it's not like week two week two when it comes to this many people getting injured and ending their season abruptly before I get to the conversation that Harrison and I had about the Los Angeles Lakers we have a word from Plutus Sports Analytics 
Plutus Sports Analytics is a company based on minimizing the uncertainty in sports betting to help you maximize your profit. New Finland's first sports analytics team provides daily predictions for all major league sports so you can win big. Whether you want to hit MLB picks out of the park or get a slam dunk on your NBA betting tickets, Plutus is a company of choice. Head to PlutusSportsAnalytics.com. That is P-L-U-T-U-S SportsAnalytics.com. Use code JSP10 for 10% off their deadly service. Let's go ahead and take a trip back to Orlando in the Orlando bubble to enjoy my fun conversation about something going on down there in Orlando with Mr. Harrison Fagan of SB Nation. Hey Harrison, welcome to the podcast. Hey Jay, uh, thanks for having me on. Like this, is, I'm I'm excited to be here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No problem. No problem. Um, before we get into reactions of the game, we just watched Game Three. Get into Game Four, rest of the series, all things like that. Let people know where they can catch you via social media, and also where where they can check out some of your some of your work as well. Yeah, so I appreciate that. I mean, if you're interested in the conversation that we're about to have, I mean, you'll probably, you know, be somewhat interested in this stuff. You know, I cover the Lakers for silverscreenroll.com, which is SB Nation's Lakers coverage arm. And then uh, you can find me on Twitter at H-M-F-A-I-G-E-N. So at H-M-F-A-G-E-N. Okay, nice, nice. And I'm curious um, what you say in the Twitter handle. Um, when I first came across your Twitter, your Twitter handle, your Twitter page, I saw Playoff Fagan. Um, where did that little name or uh, – name come from where you put that into your uh, name on Twitter? So I was, uh, that was actually like last week or two weeks ago. Uh, it was at some point during the Rocket series uh, and like time had ceased to like to have any concept of meaning or anything at this point. Um, but like it was, uh, it was during the Rocket series and it was right after Rondo had went off like two games in a row. And uh, I was just trying to show respect to playoff Rondo. And uh, you know, it's actually been like a little bit of a Lakers Twitter thing. I think we kind of got started where um, like, I've actually seen a lot of people changing their names to like playoff something like to, you know, show their, show some deference, show some appreciation for a playoff rondo so i will uh, i wrote like a whole column saying that i will never doubt his existence ever again <laughs> and um you know and that includes even as bad as he played last night in a uh, game three speaking of game three and his play and how bad he played last night i think a lot of people going to the fourth quarter they were not expecting the deficit to be as large as it was and i was i'm still shocked when thinking about what we, what we watched in game three hearing all the commentary, reading articles, I'm still, I think other people as well were thinking that was not expected what happened in game three. What were kind of your thoughts um, while watching the game and also as, as you're digesting and uh, kind of covering the game as you were watching that, what were kind of your thoughts at the end of that, that game? Yeah, so I, I mean, I think first thought was like, it, it really just did not look like the Lakers showed up to play for the majority of that game. I mean, I, I feel like the I feel like most people would probably be able to come to that same conclusion just by watching. And then, um, you know, like, I think, uh, like, like, for me, like, I mean, you have to give the Nuggets credit for showing up to play because this is a team that like, you know, they had just lost like in heartbreaking fashion in game two, and they could have kind of rolled over, like I think some of the Lakers previous opponents may have when they kind of started to get demoralized and the Nuggets instead said, instead said, hey, like, we're close with this team, like we can beat these guys and they came out and showed it in game three and the Lakers like to be honest, like really did not deserve to win that game. Yeah, it was it was it was shocking. Um, we've seen this from the Nuggets before where they will um, have these spurts and they would they would do things where they'll play they'll play they'll be the aggressor and then the other team has to step up and accept the challenge and say, okay, cool, we're gonna push back against you. 
but it seemed like last night that was not the case with the Lakers. And, it, and even now, thinking about what we watched, I'm still kind of confused. Are we going back beginning of the bubble? Are we going like a team that hasn't played it at all together? I mean, they, they show good chemistry, and it takes a lot for them to be able to fight back in the way that they did. Yeah. But this is the Nuggets, and at any point, Harrison, as you know, the Nuggets can turn it on and make this a more competitive series than a lot of people expected it to be. Yeah, and I, I think that they showed how they can do that last night. Like, in that spot, like, I, I think, uh, you know, like, I was listening to the Laker Film Room podcast today, and I thought Pete made a really good point in saying that, uh, like, the Nuggets are a very high floor team. And, like, you know, they may not have as high of a ceiling as the Lakers do, but they can, uh, like, they can absolutely, like, even at, like, like, they just can't drop that low, like, in their level of play. Like, they're always going to come with 100% effort. And we've seen that wax and wane for the Lakers at times this year. Like, I think they've mostly been on the good side of that equation, but there have been a couple games where they've just like not really shown up and usually it's when you know it's after they've been playing well for a while and they kind of feel like they can just show up and beat a team just by be, like showing up and like they were clearly not able to do that last night and they thought uh, they clearly thought that they could flip the switch in the fourth quarter when they, and they, they you know to some degree they did but the problem is that like when you're down by that much and this is why like at the beginning of the fourth quarter I was like this game's over and then even as I went on the run I'm like they can't it, it's just like you, you have to play perfect to be able to overcome as much of a hole as they dug themselves and they just uh, they couldn't do it last night and they shouldn't have been expected to you know like they I, I said this right after the game like if they um if they play with like 80 to 90 percent of the effort they showed in the fourth quarter like that would that game would have been a blowout they just they've played with like probably 50 percent effort at best for the majority of that game you mentioned the phrase flip the switch and when I think about that phrase and the star player of the Lakers. I go back to his days in Miami where people literally said it was like the Heat, LeBron, D. Wade, Bosch, they literally flipped a switch and they cranked up the defense and that defense turned into easier baskets in transition or easier baskets on offense or wide open threes, getting the ball to, um, via ball movement and rotations and things like that. And it did seem like that last night, but we've, we've watched this Lakers team this year and even some of those players last year, that, that, that switch that you talk about or even the heat that they claim, people claimed, oh, they put the switches over. When they crank up the defense, you can't fight back. The Lakers aren't a team that I would say they flip, they have that ability to be able to flip a switch and to overcome, even if it's a 15-point deficit going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, you got LeBron. Yeah, you got AD. But at times, flipping that switch, especially in the conference finals, if you want to wait till that point in the, time, in the game to do that, that can be very, very scary for the outcome of – for you at the end of the game. Yeah, no, it's it's a dangerous game to play for sure. And like, look, they they saw how that can go wrong last night in losing the game. And like, I, I think that you, you actually make a good point about like the difficulty of flipping the switch. I, uh, for this team specifically, like, I think that like, like they don't have, they're obviously, we saw last night, like they can really turn it on on defense, mm -hmm. but like they do not have the offensive firepower outside of LeBron and AD to be able to like sustain that kind of level and be able to make that kind of comeback. Like the Warriors, you know, of the last couple of years, like could do stuff like that where they could turn it on and off because like when they turned it on, it was like, okay, they're shutting you down on defense. And like all of a sudden threes are just like firing all over the floor. Like they can make up like a 15 point deficit in five possessions 
seems like, you know, and all of a sudden, like, they're back in it. The Lakers just, like, like uh, again, like, they deserve credit for getting out in transition and kind of playing to their strengths and getting stops and being able to make that competitive at the end. That was impressive that they were able to do that. But, like, we saw eventually they started to miss threes, and the Nuggets started cutting off those fast breaks, started cutting off those paths, paths to the rim. You saw the Lakers get tired. Like, I think this is a team that can be limited. You know, they can't be stopped entirely, but they can be limited when they're in the half court, I think. And we've seen that all year. And like, that just means that like, if you're not playing perfect defense and getting out on the break, like you're going to need more than one quarter to be able to like make up a 20 point deficit or something like that. Very true. I'll get to playoff Rondo, which you mentioned uh, earlier. I'll get to him in a second, but a guy, the le- I say a guy, <laughs> he is the, 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 the literal leader of the team. Um, the face of the league in LeBron James, what can he do? I'll make this question very quick. What can he do going forward? Not just in game four, Whatever the outcome is, win or loss, but also in game five, because there will ultimately be a game five, what can he do going forward to help this team not get to such a deficit that we saw in game three? So, I mean, I think that one part of it is the same thing that you have to say about the entire team. Like, they, they have to defensively engage for the entire game. Like, this is not a team that can play with half-hearted effort on defense because of the offensive stuff we were just talking about. But, like, I think that for LeBron specifically, one of the things that he really needs to do is, like, I think that he has to commit more to seeking out some mismatches. And, like, you saw them doing it in the fourth quarter. Like, you saw them really trying to get him that switch on Jokic. He was really targeting uh, Michael Porter Jr. as well. Like, they really have to play I think mismatch basketball to a degree with him because again I, like the washed king thing is like overstated like that's not <laughs> a real thing like he's still clearly really good yes, but he is. you do have to get him like if you can get him a mismatch you're just making things even easier for him and so I think the Lakers have to commit to seeking those out a little bit more actively for LeBron going forward and then he can kind of be that like you know the playoff mode LeBron that you know when we talk about like last year he said he was going to activate playoff mode and you know all of that and wasn't really able to flip that switch and do it um i feel like we're like people a dangerous drinking game for this podcast would be just like a shot every time we say flip the switch so far oh man oh man that'd be a bad that'd be bad news yeah that'd be bad don't do that don't do that (laughs) but um like you know, I, I think that would be one way that would allow him to be the guy that we've seen in the past because he's not like I don't want to say lost a step, but he is a little bit slower. He's like a little, he just has a little bit less of that burst than he had in his prime. And that's still better than 95% of NBA players and whatever. But like, it just means that you need to make it a little bit easier on him than I think they have been. And like, he also needs to be a little bit more confident in shooting those threes because nuggets are completely playing off of him right now. And last night I felt like it was a little bit of an overcorrection to game two. when I felt like he, I don't know how you felt, but I felt like he got a little bit too jumper happy. And I thought last night he really showed, kind of admirable commitment in getting to the rim but that also you can't just pass up every open jumper that you're giving you uh, or that they're giving you otherwise you know you're not gonna be able to get to the rim because they're playing totally off of you yeah you know with LeBron that's an interesting point that you make in talking about taking the jump shots there are times that LeBron takes those shots misses them the very next day it's criticized for taking those shots there are times he takes those shots makes them and then at the same time, people criticize him. Why aren't you driving to the basket? Yeah. Well, I'm hitting, I'm hitting three-point shots. I'm hitting jumpers that you – the game before you told me you told me to shoot them. Now that I'm shooting them, you want me to go back. And I know, like, that's commentators and hosts and people, talking heads, they say things without sometimes thinking about them. But one thing that I have noticed about LeBron, I'm sure you have other Lakers fans, especially LeBron fans, everybody's noticed how much better his outside shot has gotten. 
the later, the older he has gotten. When he first came in the league, his, his jump shot was nothing you would want to want him to do. You want him to shoot it. You would try yeah. to, okay, go to the hole, pass the ball. But as he's getting forward, and it may be a time period in this series or saying, because I believe they'll win, they'll win this series, in the NBA Finals, he may have to hit those outside shots because a team from the East may play a zone and may try to say, okay, cool, come, come inside. Go ahead and do that. You can try. We'll stop you. And then he may have to rely on that jump shot. Harrison, like, like, like I, like, so many people have seen it has gotten better and better and better the older he has gotten uh, in his in his life. Yeah, no, he's a capable shooter now. Like, it's not it's not the best aspect of his game because he's so good at so many other things. Yes. But he's like he's an okay jump shooter now. Like, he can take some of those shots. And I, I don't know if it was lack of confidence or if it was like their film session. They're like, LeBron, you really got to go to the hole because he did like he took too many in game two. He really did settle a lot. It's it's about finding the right balance, I think. And th- th- again, this is really easy for me to say as a blogger sitting at home. But like, I, I think that he's just got to make sure that like he's not not forcing jumpers and stuff like that when he doesn't need. To, but also that he's taking some just to keep the Nuggets honest. Very true. And I remember we'll circle back around to playoff Rondell. I'll hit AD next because uh, <laughs> I was watching. Um, I was watching what show was it? Undisputed earlier. They were talking about his stat line, which I normally don't try and focus on, but it was so off in one spe- specific area yeah. in Game Three. I would I would feel bad if I didn't touch on it. But playoff Rondell. Rondell wasn't there right when it came back from uh, when they resumed the season in Orlando. And we have seen Rondo have a, a good impact, the impact that a lot of us believed he would have. From your standpoint, from you watching the team and focusing on the team, what impact has Rondo had on this team since he was able to play after the NBA resumed in Orlando? Well, so game one, he was very much regular season Rondo, which is like to say that he was kind of like a minus in every area on the court and like an active, like, I I think he like genuinely, like, I think there's a chance they could have won game one against the Rockets had they just not played Rondo that night, but they gave him a bunch of minutes. He got in rhythm. And then after that, it was the playoff Rondo that like people have been talking about for years is like almost this like Loch Ness monster, Bigfoot, like (laughs) mythical creature was going to show up. And to be honest, like I did not believe was going to be there for the Lakers. I'm like, no, I mean, he's just old now. Like he can't do that. And look, like, hand up, that was 100% on me. I should have believed because, like, you know, he was probably the Lakers' third best player for that Houston series and was really good. Like, you know, he has not been as good in this series. I think that he's had moments where he's helped the team out, like, especially game more so games one, game two than, like, like game three, he was, pro- he was really bad for the first three quarters. I believe he was a minus 23 when the fourth quarter started and only ended up, like, a minus 13 on the night. And that's still the team worst. And he was on the floor for that entire comeback, which which kind of says like something about, you know, they were not playing very well while he was out there for the majority. But that said, like last night, he was a huge part in keying their, the defense. Like during that run, he really did re-engage. He was harassing Jamal Murray. Him and Alex Caruso were really creating a lot of havoc out there on the perimeter forcing turnovers that allowed LeBron to get runouts for dunks and layups and stuff like that. So like, you know, it, it's been a mixed bag. And the thing that I said today, and like, like, as I was thinking more about this is like, I, I mean, I'm not going to pin all of last night on Rondo. That was clearly the entire team. And there were mm-hmm. bigger problems than Rondo not playing well. Like th- the other thing is too, he's a veterans minimum guy. Like he's making literally the least an NBA player of his amount of experience is allowed to make. Like, this is not a guy that is like, like anytime you get a positive from him, that's a bonus. So that's not the expectation. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, he's a big name, but like, if he gives you something good, that's great. But like, if he doesn't, it's honestly not fair to expect that of him every night, or he'd be making a lot more money. Like the the team and like the league clearly had recognized that like, he's not that guy that you can count on night to night anymore. So but that said, when playoff Rondo does show up like he did in that fourth quarter, like it's, it's pretty magical. It is and something that 
like I mentioned uh, while I saw it undisputed, fast tracking. Let's go right into Anthony Davis. I'm not one, and I'll, I say this on my on my podcast all the time. I'm not one to go watch a game, or if I didn't watch a game, either whatever scenario, go right to the box score and then formulate an opinion based yep. off what the numbers are there in the box score. But when you have a guy six ten, maybe six eleven, whatever Anthony Davis height is, has the little amount of rebounds that he had. I believe Dwight Howard's rebounds were very very low in Game Three as well. All the Lakers were. They got. I think they got out rebounded by like twenty. How do you how do you explain that? So I, I think that the Nuggets did a really good job. I mean, number one, the Nuggets shot pretty well. So that like limited some of their operation. That, that, you know, that's part of it. But like, I think the other part, the Nuggets did a better job of boxing out like on the offensive glass and like, like securing rebounds. And then there were parts where like, I think you saw the effort part of it show up in there. Like there were, there was one play in the fourth quarter where Jamal Murray, like the, probably the smallest player on the floor got an offensive rebound. And like, does that happen time to time? Sure. But I think it's indicative of at that point fatigue that was brought on by how hard they had to play in the fourth quarter, but was something that was going on throughout the game where Nuggets players were just getting balls that they shouldn't have been able to get. I also think that, you know, you brought this up like in part as like an Anthony Davis thing. Like he had zero rebounds, I think, until the fourth quarter or possibly until at some point in the third. I know he had zero in the first half, um, but like I'd have to go back and check that. Um, but he... I thought was a little bit too focused last night on trying to like draw whistles and trying to like do, you know, the whole thing where like he's getting his arm tangled up with someone and then he jumps up and screams and like the refs call a foul and they weren't really giving him that that night. And I don't know if that was something where like they saw that he had drawn a couple cheap ones earlier in the series. So they're like, all right, we aren't blowing our whistle on that tonight. Or it was like just, you know, this crew just for whatever reason was not emphasizing that like, you know, that wasn't a point of emphasis for them. But I thought that he was instead of just like using his physical advantages and like the tools that allow him to win a basketball game. He was basically trying to like outsmart the game and like win by beating the rules rather than beating the other team. And like, I thought that was to his detriment. And I thought it was to uh, the detriment of the Lakers last night. Like the good news is, is that I can't imagine they were really kind on him in that film session today that they're having on their on their like day off in between games and I would expect a better Anthony Davis tomorrow but yeah the rebounding thing like I think it was effort I think it was to some degree AD but like and then like some of it was just Denver shooting a little better and as I think about your explanation there with that the effort the energy two things that you need every second on a court um, because if you're lacking in energy or effort one of the two it could come back to where you do lose you could find yourself tied 2-2 and then we have a whole different series than it is if it's 3-1 many people still would believe the Lakers would win this series but the Lakers are going to have to find themselves fighting a whole lot harder and you mentioned that and then also the the longer this goes on I think at some point the, the fatigue that you're seeing of them working so hard you may see that earlier in games just by the sheer aspect of not so much all of the players, but the age aspect at some point may creep up and say, well, LeBron, you're 35. Rondo, you've been around for a while. Like, eventually, you guys aren't going to be able to do what you want to do. Dwight Howard, you've been playing for a long time, came out of high school. And so the wear and tear on the bodies of these players may come up and be a, a negative for them. But also, at the same time, they do have LeBron. They do have AD. They do have all these guys that – Somehow, despite the age, despite the wear and tear, despite playing games every other day, which they're not used to at an NBA level, they still find ways to overcome deficits, to fight back and win. And I'm just curious, what do you expect in game four? 
So I expect a more engaged Lakers team, I think for sure. I, I think they had a little bit of an emotional hangover from game two and like that huge win. And obviously like, I'm sure that was really exciting. You know, even though they almost like, they kind of almost blew that game. Like it, it's still like Anthony Davis hit a buzzer beating three in the black Mamba jerseys. Like how could you not, <laughs> you know, get excited about that. And like, especially I think for them, they probably felt like, okay, like we can kind of overcome any deficit against this team after being able to pull that one out in a game where they really did not deserve to win. If you look at, you know, like, like how poorly, they shot from three like how much they turned the ball over like all that stuff like they did not deserve to win that game and like like they were just sloppy and like I think that they felt like they could over they could that's where the flip the switch thing came from last night so I think that they're going to turn it on a little bit better but I actually like the point that you made about the fatigue is something that I was thinking about a lot today as I was like debate it's like okay well the Nuggets have played uh, you know, two seven game series. So they've played like, you know, they played 14 games in the playoffs before this. The Lakers have played 10 because both of theirs went five. Like, you know, that that's four extra games and four extra really high intensity games for the Nuggets. And the Nuggets also don't play fast. Like the Nuggets don't play fast. So like, are they going to get worn out by trying to keep up with the Lakers pace? But on the flip side is the point that you just bring up. Like the Lakers are older. And I think even more so than them being older, like the way that they're trying to play by getting runouts, even off of makes and like, <laughs> <laughs> really really like you saw Anthony Davis last night like he had his hands on his knees like basically coming up the court in the middle of a possession because he was so tired like that they're you know that I, we saw this against Houston we saw it against Portland like they really want to run out and it's like it, it's kind of incredible to watch like how fast they will get down the court and try and get those easy buckets and like their their commitment to getting those easy looks at the rim on the break but at the same time like I think that that's going to take a toll too like I, I think that they need to make sure that they're getting stops to fuel that break instead of like like if they by, almost by recommitting on the defensive end it, it's counterintuitive but I almost think that they can save energy just because those fast break points will be easier it's not going to be them running against like a basically set defense after a make and stuff like that and really trying to force fast breaks where they aren't really there just to kind of make it a little bit easier on themselves and not get stuck in half court so like I, I think that we could see them fatigue as the series goes along I'm still like I'm still picking the Lakers to win my before the series I said Lakers in five and I'm gonna stick with that because I think that they're, they have some clear adjustments that they can make after last night and um, like I think they're gonna be able to pull this out and finish it off but like the Nuggets showed if they if the Lakers don't show up to play the the Nuggets will beat them. You know, like this is not a team that you can just show up and assume that you're going to win against. Like they have a ton of heart. They play really hard and they're good. Like they deserve to be here in the Western Conference Finals. They earned this. This was not just the Clippers choking, even though there was a degree of that. The Nuggets still had to push them and not give up. Like this team has a lot of fight in them. I have a lot of respect for them. I just don't think they're a great matchup for the Lakers if the Lakers are fully engaged and playing smart basketball. You know, as you were talking about the outlets and the quick trip, the quick uh, alpha of makes getting the balls out, out quickly I was reminded very quickly of in my mind Kevin Love and LeBron back in his Cleveland days I don't know how those two got on the same page but it seemed like either LeBron or Kevin Kevin Love got it a lot but he would get the ball he would get the ball for make two-hand pass to the other free throw three free throw line LeBron's already there with a the dunk I'm like how are you guys on the same page automatically every time well you have transition one of the, to the Lakers you have one of the smartest players in NBA history and then like arguably I mean maybe not the best outlet passer in NBA history but Kevin Love's probably like top five at that yeah. pass for sure um and so like yeah I mean LeBron realized that, that was a weapon for him I think pretty quick that'll allow him to get some easy buckets too like he doesn't have to like run a pick and roll and work against set defense and whatever so like I mean I think we've seen we've definitely seen them try that the Lakers just 
just don't have like an outlet passer of that caliber. You know, Rondo is like, Rondo's not there. Like Rondo is a good passer uh, and like can sometimes get those for LeBron and really does look for it. But, you know, we've also seen like Anthony Davis throw turnovers. He's like not the best in uh, that specific area. <laughs> No, no, he's not. He's not. And also another Anthony Davis. I wrote another note down of you talk about the Black Mamba jerseys. I was expecting that they would come out again and try to get the NBA and the Nuggets to say, okay, look, um, we played well in these jerseys. We hit, I hit a game winner in these jerseys. Let's go ahead and wear these again until this streak is over. And I thought that maybe we would see that in game three. We did not. I believe they were white in game three. Well, it's also uh, – it was a Nuggets home game. So the Nuggets get uh, to pick their jerseys. So if they pick black, there's no way that the Lakers are allowed to pick black because they have to pick a non-contrasting color. Okay, so I, I, I think I saw in Cleveland I, – and I could be wrong with this, but I think in Cleveland during that series, um, one of the Cleveland – the Cavaliers and Warriors series. I think the Cleveland Cavaliers wore the same jerseys like four or five games in a row. It could be wrong. Um, I'm not sure exactly that whole dynamic there. Yeah, I honestly don't remember, but I do know that, like, you know, speaking of this, like, Frank was asked, at, uh, Frank Vogel was asked to practice today, like, is there any temptation to go back to the Black Mamba jerseys for game four? And he kind of was like, he's like, well, we'll, like, we'll consider it. And then, like, a PR person was like, we aren't doing that. And he's like, oh, yeah, I guess we aren't doing that. So, like, you know, that, that's already been decided. So, that I are, we already know they aren't going to them for game four. Maybe game five, though. Like, I, you know, I could see it if they're trying to give their team even just, like, a psychological edge in the series because, like, they got to find, you know, they, they have some, like, basketball adjustments they can make but you know if that makes them feel better and about themselves like you can't argue with the results so far they're three and oh so if you could quickly wrap this thing up and i'll, I'll, I'll once again harrison this, is, this has been fun thank you so much i'll give you time after this to uh, go ahead and let people know once again where they can catch you on social media then also where they can catch your work um but you mentioned that they have adjustments to make for after game three going into game four if you could give me two or three of those adjustments that they can make um so the outcome is not the same one that they had at the end of game three for sure. I think one thing is starting Dwight. Like, I think it, I think it's time to do that. Like, I think we, you we are saw the, him start. You, you are not the first person to say that either. I've heard a couple of people say that same exact thing. Yeah. And like, I, you know, I thought that maybe it was a little overreactionary after like one game and then like maybe after two games. And so like, I wasn't surprised to see them go back to JaVale in game three. But I think that a loss kind of gives Frank Vogel the excuse to do what it seems like he clearly wants to do anyway, uh, it, which is start Dwight because he's done it in two of the three second half so far too. Uh, and the only one that he didn't was the game where Dwight was getting in foul trouble. And so like, I think they just didn't want to tempt fate. Like, it's like, hey, let's get some minutes out of JaVale and we can go to Dwight down the stretch. Um, so like, I, I think starting Dwight is one of them. He's just given them extra energy and physicality. The worry there is maybe he does foul out, but like I say, try it. And if he fouls out, then you deal with that then. Like, don't, you know, don't foul him out yourself basically by like nailing him to the bench. I think another one, we saw them have some success with that zone defense last night. And while I think the Nuggets started to figure it out, I do think that like, if you're playing against a lineup that's not the one Denver closed with, like that is something to maybe bust out again, just to give you an advantage while that lineup tries to figure it out for a couple possessions. Like I think that Denver will probably put in some counters for that and like really emphasize like, okay, here's how we play against the zone during practice, but it's only one day. So maybe you can catch them off guard again. And also the Lakers are just really good. So regardless of what you're doing, you just may not be able to execute it against like their defense when they're bat locked in and like kind of amped up and energetic. And I, I think for me, those are probably the two biggest ones. And and then like, you know, the third one, like this is cliche and it's going to sound like I'm not giving the Nuggets enough credit, but the Lakers just got to play the whole game. You know, like they, they can't, they can't show up and just like, like kind of half-ass it for most of the game and then try and win. Like they, they need to show the Nuggets the respect of a conference finalists and go out there and destroy them. Like, and actually play like they want to destroy them the entire game instead of just having, you know, like Dwight talk from the bench and, you know, commit like silly fouls and whatever. Like you don't need to do the tough guy, guy act, just go out and beat them.
Yeah, yeah, very true, very true. Harrison, thank you so much. Once again, um, before we wrap this thing up and close this out, let people know once again where they can catch you on social media, then also where they can catch some of your, some of your work as well. Yeah, so uh, like all my work appears at silverscreenandroll.com. It's like a play on words, like silver screen because we're LA, Hollywood, the movies, and then screen and roll is a basketball play. Um, I did not come up with it, although I wish I had. We also, you can find, uh, I, I am on the Silver Screen and Roll podcast at least once a week. Uh, so I do that as well. And then you can find me on Twitter at HMFA. A-I-G-E-N, at H-M Fagan. Yes, guys. And when you get there, when you get, once you put a Twitter handle in, when, if you see playoff Fagan as his name, I believe that's still up. That is him um, as, as his name, like we talked about earlier. Harrison, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to game four more than I expected because of what we saw in game three. I think we're going to see a bigger battle, a tougher battle than we expected uh, in game four. Me too. If you were to predict what happened before the series. Um, well, thank you so much, uh, Harrison, for coming on the JCM's podcast. Hopefully we can do this down the road. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me and I'm happy to come back anytime. Game four tonight. Will the Denver Nuggets show us more of what we saw in Game 3 so that they do what is needed to tie this series at 2-2? Or will the Lakers make the necessary adjustments to take a commanding 3-1 lead in the Western Conference Finals? Well, I guess we have to tune in tonight to see what happens. Okay, guys, that was not a planned promo. That was not something I got paid to do. It just rolled off the tongue. I got the idea as I started talking and just rolled with it. And what I want to tell you, I sure hope the right person listened to that right there because even though that was not something that I got paid to do, that right there, <laughs> that right there is money worthy. And you know what else is money worthy? It's a great way to end this show. It's a great way to get you ready for the upcoming weekend of football games, college football, and NFL. We got to get these picks off, and somebody somewhere may use these picks to make some money. Like I told you, last week in college football, went 4-0. Last week in the NFL, went 4-1, 8-3 overall for the picks in the NFL, 13-1 overall on the season for college football. Somebody. So I, I know some of y'all bet. Trust me, I know I know it. You, I can't look anywhere. I can't go any place where it's a sporting event or a podcast audience where someone is not a betting person. Trust me, people do it. And I know some of y'all might utilize these picks to make some money. Just know, if you do, break some off and share some with your boy. On Friday night, I got Memphis over UTSA. That was kind of a gimme. I picked one midweek game that happened to be the one this weekend. On Saturday, Auburn over Kentucky, Texas over Texas Tech, Miami over Florida State. Who would have thought that Miami would start 3-0 this season? I'm not sure, but it's nice to see Miami on this trajectory. And then also Florida over Ole Miss on Saturday as well. In the NFL, the Jaguars over the Dolphins on Thursday. On Sunday, I got the Bears over the Falcons. I have the Seahawks over the Cowboys. I have the Saints over the Packers. And then on Monday night to end the weekend of football, I have the Chiefs over the Ravens. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at jstevens07. If you're not on Twitter and you would love to connect with the podcast, send your emails to jstevenspod at gmo.com. Remember to always subscribe, rate, and review. It's a great way for people that are searching for a new podcast to listen to to come across this one. 
Then remember to always get the word out about the podcast via word of mouth. The things that we enjoy in life, we are more willing and somewhat wired to tell other people about. So no matter if this was your first episode or if you have been listening since episode number one, be sure the people know about the podcast. This has been episode 137 of the Jason Podcast. I'll see you next time.